Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Monday, as always. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 26 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. This week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from Chesapeake, Virginia, as Auburn University commit Madison Insko takes home the weekly honors. Madison hit 800 with a home run and 10 RBIs, as well as had 21 strikeouts over nine innings while playing for the Mojo Ghost 18U team in Florida last weekend. Congrats, Madison, and best of luck at Auburn. On to this week's guest, and we're heading all the way to New Zealand to chat with ISC and WBSC Hall of Famer Jared Martin. Jared has an impressive list of accomplishments to go along with those Hall of Fame inductions that include four ISF World Championships, six ISC World titles, seven ISC All-World selections, and two ISC World MVP awards, just to name a few. We're going to talk to Jared about getting a start in the game in New Zealand, his 1989 World Junior title win, his four men's ISF World Championships, as well as his storied ISC career, and much more. Jared was an absolute beauty to chat with, and you'll understand why he's so beloved and respected around the softball world after hearing his interview. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. A little bit of classified to get us going again. As always. Yes, sir. Did you did you hear his new Christmas song? I did, yeah. It's amazing. Awesome. Actually, no word of lie. I just saw him on the news tonight, which is Friday, December, whatever today is. The third? Fourth. Fourth, yeah. Um, he just purchased a new puppy for his family and CTV or ATV had it on, on TV tonight. On I saw news. that. I saw that today. Yeah. The, the girls were getting yeah. it. That was that was pretty good. They were excited. Yeah, very excited. Yeah. Except I got a new dog. I didn't know, remember ATV coming to my place, but <laughs> I'm also not classified. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's classified. Yeah, I love the I love that Christmas song. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, such such a great beat. Like yeah. as always, with with his music as usual. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's on the go? Not a whole lot. I was just saying to you earlier. It's uh, it's Friday the third. It's, it's the fourth, man. Sorry. <laughs> I've been drinking since two thirty this afternoon. I'm kidding. It's uh, it's nine degrees outside right now. Unreal in Nova Scotia. It's it's crazy because I was looking at the weather in New Zealand and New Plymouth, where uh, where our guest Jared Martin's coming on, and it's eighteen degrees there. Yeah, and it's summertime. Yeah, so this crazy weather is continuing for us. It's nuts. Yeah, we're uh, like I said, we're turning more into like Vancouver. Vancouver. All the time. Like as far as yeah. the weather goes, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in five years from now if we don't get any snow. Oh gosh. Yeah. That'd be all right, but kind of not so good. For no, those people. that's my, uh, that's my global warming, uh, yeah. <laughs> prediction. Yeah. <laughs> Stop polluting. Yeah. Anyway. COVID. COVID's been, uh, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Daily. I know. There's been a couple of cases locally uh, mm-hmm. for us. Uh, there was, I think 15 cases today alone in Nova Scotia. Yep. They extended the, uh, the rules and regulations for our community where we live and into the HRM and Halifax. Is that another two weeks? December 16th. Yeah. So still no hockey. God. No hockey for us. Can't get in the dome. Can't do anything. Yeah. So what do we have to say about that? Wash your hands, wear your mask, social distance. Exactly. Take care of everyone. Yeah. 
please and thank you. Hate beating this dead horse, but man, this is a bad, bad thing. Yeah. Till we get a vaccine. I mean, we, we got to we gotta keep doing our, our due diligence. Due diligence. Yeah. Big word, Randy. I've, I've been looking up. Uh, I grabbed a thesaurus today and uh, <laughs> grabbed it right by the. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if due diligence was in there, but uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, comments online. Yeah. Been loving them. 100%. Yeah. We've been getting uh, some good comments online and uh, some little fun interactions. Uh, the thing I really like is when I chirp you in a podcast and then someone else comes on to our Facebook page or what have you and chirps you again. And Benny Weidman, Benny. I know you're listening. <laughs> I love it, Benny. Keep it coming. I'm an idiot. I know. <laughs> three brothers from the same family. Yeah, three brothers. From the same family. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we got a big guest coming yeah. on. We touched on it a little bit there. Uh, Jared Martin from New Zealand. Yeah. Pretty big incredible. name in the game. Huge name. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's uh, very exciting for us. Find out all about his career and uh, what he has to say. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be a, a great interview. Yeah. You know, see his uh, stuff he does on Facebook there with his, yeah. with his videos that he does. And That's right. yeah. seems like he's a, a really good guy. For sure. He is. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about him. One thing, can you remind me please mm. during the podcast when we're talking to him, can you remind me to ask him what's going on tomorrow? Because it's Saturday there. Oh, all right. Just it's, so I can play some bets. It's going to be Saturday <laughs> at noon. Yeah. We got to get our bets placed on oh, cool right. bet. Yeah. Isn't that how it works? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's get to him. All right. All right. And we're good. Jared, thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. How 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 are you, Lindley, and the kids making out? Uh, we're doing well, thanks, mate. We're just um, it's actually my uh, baby daughter's birthday today, so eleven years old. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say uh, happy birthday to Jada. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a bit of a milestone for us, really. Um, another one, I suppose you could say. That's nice. Um, last year, so she's. Um, you know, fully into double digit years now. Yeah. yeah. She's excited to be uh, 11 today. So, um, you know, so we're just having a nice day for her and and just chilling out with the family, really. Nice. Any, big, any big plans, supper or anything? Oh, we just had lunch or breakfast at, um, at her grandma's, um, my wife's uh, mother's place. So, and then we're going to head back home in a couple of hours and we'll have the other grandparents come over and. And probably, um, yeah, have a few brewskis. Nice. Very nice. Listen, I got a question for you, Jared. Uh, because it's Saturday where you're at right now, can you give me any tips on any sports so I can make some bets? Because it's only Friday here, so it might be good for us. You've <laughs> <laughs> the results already, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I guess the best tip I can give you for that, mate, is, um, yeah, don't waste your money. <laughs> well, That's probably this one. Speaking of sports, I know you're a big rugby fan with the All Blacks there. I'm sure you're pretty happy with how it ended last weekend. Yeah, I mean we, you know, we've had a, we had a couple of losses there um, the weeks prior to that, and and man, you should have seen the media across here in New Zealand where you know people were bagging the All Blacks, and you know, and I um I don't know if you see, I I do a couple of the odd uh, selfie sort of. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we watch those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just you know, we're just trying to put a positive spin on a lot of stuff here and yeah. in New Zealand, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, this uh, mental health issues and things like that. And, you know, I, and people are kind of um, using that as an excuse these days, okay. a bit too much. And I mean, it is, yes, it is prevalent. It is out there, but, um, you know, yeah, so I get on the, on the old Facebook and, and try and throw a positive spin out there, everybody, as you would have heard. And, 
Yeah, and one of the things, you know, the issues for me was that the All Blacks, you know, were getting um, driven into the ground because they, you know, weren't expected to lose. But, you know, the team's rebuilding and I think, you know, they're, they're, they're trying their best. And, you know, and I guess um, when you expect your, your um, I guess, your country's main sport to, to win all the time, mm. um, you know, it becomes a bit of a, a factor. And like you're talking, maybe... Um, a lot of people lost a lot of money at the betting agency. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, thought I, it, uh, I thought it was a great show of respect by the boys there with the, the captain Sam Kane there laying the Maradona jersey at midfield prior to the hockey dance. Yeah, um, that was a good touch, I thought. And, yeah. you know, obviously it wasn't expected, but, um, yeah, I think they did a great job there. And and um, and as a result happened, you know, they, the our boys came out and give them a bit of a bath. So yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so it was that you know everyone was after, and um, but but we knew they'd bounce back and and um, you know they you know they held their heads, you know, had level heads, and they knew they had to get get back to work, and and so they did, and it was good to see. So awesome, yeah, you know, awesome. It kept a lot of people quiet yeah. in the following week. So. No, it was good. Right. So, actually, can you give us some insight into the the hockey dance? Because I mean, we see seeing you guys do it at international competitions all the time. And what what what's it represent? Well, it's it's actually it's a it's a it's a, I guess a, a war dance that they used back in um, when the early settlers came in and. Um, you know, coming to New Zealand, and um, it was a Maori chief who had, who had, um, he was being chased by another tribe, I suppose you could say, and and it's about um, these, uh, I guess these other, this other tribe was coming in to try and catch this Maori chief, and obviously once they caught them, they used to you know eat them back in the days, oh, and. Yeah. Um, he was hidden in a in a in like a potato pit, which um uh, and underneath a lady who was sitting on top of the potato pit, and and as part of the haka it goes, it's it's a bit, it's a bit of a story about you know the guy was just sort of uh, hiding away from the enemy, and and when he was in the pit, he could uh, see up and he could see you know the hairy woman sitting above him and. And you know, and about the sun, and all that sort of thing. And you know, he going to live to fight another day. But for us, when we use it in our sport, it's um, it's more of a it's a challenge to the opposition. So yeah, uh, you no, know, it's no disrespect to no, no, no. Um, the, but it's just more, mm. and I think it's just something that we've grown up with. I mean, a lot of our sporting codes do the haka. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, or we have, you know, some like the All Blacks, they have their own one, um, which they tend to use on special occasions. Um, but it's just more a challenge to say, hey, we're here to, you know, come and play or come to battle with you. Right. Um, we're challenging you to, you know, bring your A game. Um, yep. And that, that's, that's pretty much all it is, in a, I guess, in short form. Um and you know, and and that can be used to our advantage, and sometimes um, it can't. You know, it, it mm. backfires on it. So, um, but it's just one of those things. You know, if we respect it, the hacker, and I'm sure the opposition will respect it as well. But I know back in uh, a few years back, we had the uh, Venezuelans. I think it was in 1996. Mm. Um, 
at the World World Series in Michigan and and we were doing the hacker and the Venezuelans came out and they were flipping us off and you know, all this their bat boy would come out and, you know, start sort of um, you know, thrusting his pelvis and holding his crotch and things like that. Oh my god. Disrespect and and so what happened that and I think it was the first innings, we were hitting first. And I think we posted up about seven or eight runs in the first inning. <laughs> um, their pitcher got uh, knocked out by his own player, so third baseman got hit a ball. And then we remember he he was looking in the dugout saying, oh, I've, I've got your man out. And he went to hose, hose the guy out at first, and he hit his pitcher fair in the side of the head. <laughs> Not, um, then that's what you see, you know, the hucker's got a long reach, boys. So. It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's you know that that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell for us. Yeah, um, yeah. what the hacker kind of means. Yeah, that's good. I know it's uh, very well respected because we've we've touched on it with a few of the guys uh, from our Canadian national team here, and a few of them vibrate uh, when you guys were doing it. At the same time, they knew you know they were respecting the fact that you were doing it because there was a cause behind it. But you were right. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it gets teams off, and sometimes it gets teams going. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and like the same for us too. It's about us being able to control because you do, um, you know, your blood pressure goes up a bit. <laughs> yeah. At the yeah. start, and you know, and it's about you know once that's done, you've got to actually try and you know bring the old heart rate back down to yeah. ground level, and because you know boys do get caught up in emotions, and then that you know like the same it, it works against you sometimes sure. if you don't can't handle it the right way. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, on to softball. Uh, tell us about getting your start in the game. Well, my start, geez, I, you know, I played when I was a little kid. Uh, I started probably at the age of five. Um, but I, and probably like most of the boys that you've interviewed from up North America there, is um, I, I used to go follow my dad. He used right. to play. And uh, mum did play a little, but, you know, we when we were, you know, Little we used to be at the ballpark every weekend, and you know I'd go to trainings with Dad. You know, not so much I'll go and you know run around with the softball, but I was all there and playing with the other, you know, or the other kids. Yeah. His fathers were on teams as well, and you know it was just one of those things that, um, yeah, we were lucky enough that um, we had great support in terms of our community back here um, in New Zealand and and. Because we're a pretty, like yourselves, you know, pretty big in sports, you know, yeah. sporting nation. And and there were a lot of, you know, we played a lot of sports when we were growing up. We played rugby, we played, you know, the basketball, uh, volleyball, all those things. Um, and I think a lot of that's gone now from that, you know, nowadays because it just seems that kids are focused on one sport only. But when we were little, you know, we, we played everything. And... You know, and we'd play until the sun went down, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but that's how I got you know started in the game. So you're five years old and just playing uh, little league, I suppose you call it. And um, it was in uh, my hometown in Waitara, in uh, just north of New Plymouth in Taranaki. And uh, you know, I grew up there with uh, my cousin Bevan Martin, who's Bevan was a you know prominent uh, black soccer player as well. Years. And um, we grew up through the age grades right right up to about uh, fourteen and under, uh, playing with each, against each other, and then playing you know 
with each other as well. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and then, uh, so that was here locally. Then I actually uh, moved out of home when I was uh, 16. Um, I well, made the Junior World Championship side in 1989. So I think you interviewed Colin Abbott a yeah. little way back and uh, Colin was no, we haven't. Insane. We actually haven't interviewed Colin yet, but we are. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might have been. Maybe it was on the Triple Twos talk. Oh, yes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I ended up um, making that side as a 15 year old, and oh. and um, you know originally wasn't named in the original squad, or I was just a non-traveling reserve, and and as it happened, um, I got called into the squad and. And uh, ended up getting a lot of game time and nice. ended up throwing us. And, you know, we beat the Canadians after they'd given us a bath, I think, two previous games. Um, and then, you know, I got the ball against them uh, in the semi and then ended up closing them out in the final. But, um, yeah, so 16, that was those years. Um, then I came back for that championship and ended up, I, I needed, you know, to... Um, I guess better my my sport, my ball, and staying local that that wouldn't have happened or wasn't going to happen for me. So I kind of um, give my father a bit of the ultimatum. I said, "Hey, I need to I need to move." Then um, I moved to Wellington. Um, you know, and I was only you know whatever you call it a year eleven or twelve at that time. Uh, or 11th grade, I suppose you call it, in high school. And that was a hard, you know, hard pill to swallow from my father because, you know, I just said, oh, if I can't go away, move out of home to better myself and my ball, then I'll um, I'll throw it away. So being a sport little shit I was, I suppose, he said, hey, let's, let's organise this. And, and uh, so I was lucky enough that um, we had Michael White come to our region to do a, a clinic and I always wanted to go and play in Wellington for the same club Michael White used to play for which was Miramar back in the day and and it just pretty much flowed on from there you know I had a successful um, junior world championship I came home from there um, these guys were keen to have me come to Wellington and and uh, they set me up down there and and I guess that's where I started getting into the thick of um, my ball career then um, because that's where I guess you had to have that exposure to, you know, be better and to obviously um, be able to achieve higher honours. And, and by making that move, um, that was able to, you know, come to fruition a few years later. So, um, and so, yeah, and I... I guess my first the first squad I made for the Black Sox was in 1991. Um, that, was, that must have been a pretty special feeling for you. Yeah, it was. It was kind of uh, out of the blue, um, you know, because I was young. But um, you know, I possibly I don't remember in terms of how it all came about. But I think I had a pretty decent uh, domestic season here hmm. for um, our club side. And obviously, I was playing junior ball, you know, 19 and under, and uh, 21 and under at the time, and had a couple of good years with those teams. And and then I, I guess they were just, you know, trying to um, bleed some new players for the future. And 
and there was yeah, so I ended up being selected to tour Australia. And we we did a tour across there and I think there was the first side that went through a tour unbeaten. Um is at the time Australia they were pretty they were pretty strong but they they were still learning, I guess. Um they were ranked probably outside top ten at the time uh in the world. And um so yeah, we I toured there. Um the following year was nineteen ninety two was uh, the World Championships in Manila, uh, Philippines, and I, yeah, I wasn't even thinking I was going to make the cup there, and and I didn't, I didn't actually make the squad there, but later found out that you know I probably should have have gone um, from the coach, yeah, from the head coach at the time, Mike Walsh. But I mean, in saying that, you know, it it is what it is, and um, they they had a pretty successful tour anyway. They just got put at the post by uh, Canada. Um, and I remember listening and what you know, just listening to that game on the radio back here because we never had Sky Sport back in those days. Where I think we had like one or two channels on TV. Yeah, it was even in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was wasn't heard of hardly. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, so yeah, then once you know that result came through, Canada won. I was. Um, there was a bit of a, a switch that flicked for me, and I wanted to be a part of the next world championship. So at the time, it was every four years. Yeah. So it, it, and I, sorry, sorry, Jared, but it, like in that that same year in '92, you'd go and play in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. How how did that all come about? That was your first ISC World Title as well that same year. Yes, yes. So that was, um, I guess, that wasn't. Oh well. Can I say it wasn't by accident, but I, I guess I got um, scouted, um, and that was due to a, an unfortunate loss of a couple of gentlemen who used to play there, and Paul McGann and Steve Schultz. I think they passed away or were killed in an accident oh. in 1921. And, um, and, you know, when that happened, obviously uh, the Sioux City team, they were Pencorp at the time, um, were out to recruit players, and uh, I think Pete Sandman, he was part of the pitching staff then, and he was going to, um, he, he didn't want to travel anymore, so he opted to not play with them again, so he stayed and played with the Sioux City Sioux. So it was, um, yeah, so what happened is um, my good friend Jimmy Seaman, or Wana now, at the time, he was involved there, Michael White, and they it kind of all fell into place via those couple of guys from their recommendations. And and um, I'll tell you what, for a, yeah, I know there would have been a lot of envious guys who you know other Kiwis who obviously seen me walk into this bloody star-studded team, and I didn't know what I was walking into. Right. <laughs> you know, when I got you know there and found out who all these other players were. You know, I was playing with guys like Marty Kernigan, Billy Boyer, Steve Kieran. I mean, you go through that whole list of players there, you know, they they were guns, mm-hmm. big guns. Yeah. And so I was lucky enough to be a part of that show. And, and um, you know, we had a – it was a massive year. I think that year we might have played 130 games or something. <laughs> oh, my God. And that schedule was massive, you know, big – you know, we were travelling a lot, and and I think we, I think we only lost about maybe six or seven of those games. But 
Um, we pretty much won everything that year, the ASA, the ISCs. We, I think there's a North American Bass Pitch Challenge, which was in Vancouver. Um, we won that. And but for me, you know, if I had that time back to do that again, I'd do things differently because I I was probably a little bit naive and, and uh, you know, went and played there. And I just thought, you know, I, I possibly took some things for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and what had happened, obviously, the first couple of months, you know, I was playing really well. And then, uh, then my work ethic started to slip back a little bit. And, you know, I, and I ended up sitting right in the pine for probably half a season in the end because I just wasn't getting the job done. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Russ Boyce was our coach at the time. And he, he I remember him saying to me, he just says, you know, you need to do some work, mate, because see that circle out there, you ain't going to see that. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, straight away there was, oh, shit, yeah, he's serious. And so we ended up going through that season um, and uh, came home and obviously we had to rethink over things and, you know, they were keen to have me back the next year, but I, you know, I obviously had to prove myself, but... So that following year, I, I actually um, fell sick and um, had to go in for open heart surgery. Jesus. Uh, oh, wow. But, yeah, a bit of a scare. You know, as a 19-year-old, I'm thinking, shit, you know? Yeah, Jesus, uh, really? So I ended up having a valve replacement and <clears throat> and couldn't obviously go because it was in uh, our winter, your summer mm-hmm. of 93. So I, yeah, had that done and, you know, that was – took me a while to get, you know, recover, um, maybe a few months, three or four months. I think it was July. I spent two months in hospital. Wow. Um, That's scary. Yeah, because of the virus that I, you know, <clears throat> and um, so then I had to uh, obviously start from scratch again, you know, work, get my strength back in, in my upper body. And, and I was playing ball back uh, as soon as October. Um, so I was, you know, very lucky, but but then I had a lot of work to do and I had a lot to prove. So I, you know, I worked my butt off a little bit there. Um, to '94, uh, I think NHCD folded, and then I ended up going, getting a, I guess a lifeline from Midland Explorers, and I pitched with them for the season. Okay. Um, and then that kind of got me back on track again, you know, and then. Then I was back into the Black Sox fold, and just things just sort of went from there, escalated to to a point where it was it was great. Well, funny you said you you went with Midland because uh, 1996 you'd win your first ISF Men's World Championships in Midland. Uh, what do you recall about that, and just how special was it? Yeah, it was um, because the, the last time that New Zealand won a World Championship was in in Midland and. 1984 hmm. so you know got the opportunity to you know go back there in 96 and obviously I wasn't playing with Midland uh, I only spent the one season with them and then I moved elsewhere but uh, to go back there it was it was great because I had a lot of there were a lot of people that you know that looked after me when I was there and it was great that I could be back in the town to sort of you know catch up with them again and then hmm. for them to be to see, um, you know, us play there, and and you know that that was a special tournament too because it's probably one of the 
best teams that the country's you know ever assembled for. You know, for mm-hmm. so a number of years we had a we've had a a lot of talented, I guess, athletes come through the program. But that particular year, we were we were pretty tough, um, and and it showed. And we went through that championship unbeaten. Um, and you know, and that was the start of, uh, I guess, our three peat. Um, and yeah, and just things just got better and better. Like I was saying, you know, the 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 results, you know, were very consistent over like a ten year period. Um, and it was just great fun, you know. It was a great time that I had uh, with that crew, and you know, there's a lot of lot of great memories that that were shared or we know that we remember now and mm-hmm. that will be remembered for life, you know, so yeah, uh, it's just one of them. Yeah. So in, in, I'm jumping ahead to 1999 here. Uh, you'd win your first ISC MVP in all world selection as an outfielder. No, nonetheless, uh, you must've been brimmed with confidence af- as a player after that ISC. So. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause it was funny. I, you know, I was sort of recruited as a pitcher and then, you know, because you know, I guess at the time my stick was okay, and <laughs> they had to find, had to find a spot for me. You know, and, and I, I was playing for Doc Simmons at the time, Broken Bow Travelers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, that was the year the Worth Ball came out and the new Worth bats. <laughs> yeah, it's loaded. <laughs> we were just swinging the old, the old black and gold TPS. Yeah. You know, and bats, and and then these things came out, and I don't know what it was, but should we we were picking up hits left, right, and centre, and <laughs> that helped the confidence, you know. And yeah. it was the first time we'd used that equipment, and it was at that actual ISC. And um, yeah, as it went, yeah, I had a great tournament. Um, we had a great tournament as a team, you know. We mm-hmm. we we got in the final, but. You know, we we played some good ball that week, and and then obviously that was the start of that little dynasty, really, that broken yeah. bow. Um, and then we would, you know, go on to, I guess, be in the, I think the next in the final for the next sort of four or mm-hmm. five championships, and um, we were lucky enough to be able to win, you know, I think three of those, three or four after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, maybe three. Actually, from 2003 to 2006, you'd win four straight with Broken Bow and County Materials, which is incredible. Uh, any big memories stick out from those from those years from winning? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, two different ball clubs. Um, both ball clubs had massive talent, um, and both clubs, you know, the games. The championships we won, we won against strong teams, strong opposition. Because I think uh, 2003 and four, we had to. I think we beat County Materials in both of those years. It may have been, yeah, yeah. I think it was. And then, um, but we had some great, great bunch of guys. You know, we had uh, a good mixture of. The Kiwis and we had uh, Canadians and we had uh, Americans in there and um, didn't you have Musi was there with you wasn't he? Yep, Musi was there. Musi at the time was there. Um, you know we had well Brian Wolf, uh, myself, Thomas Markia, we had Musi, um, Darren Box, um, and Jody Yite. 
was in our Joe Morales. Um, I think Omar Moraga too at the time was in our team. Um, we just had some amazing athletes and and you know it was something we sort of laid down on the table before. You know, wood broken bow was like <coughs> we've got the ability to you know have a have a great team for a number of years and and we talked amongst you know a lot of the players you know with Wolfie and all that and mm. and things were um, and it was like yeah because we were you know, pretty young. Well, those guys were younger than me, but yeah. Um, and that uh, was just one of the things that we focused on was making sure that we played consistent ball and tough ball all the time. And, and as it was, we got the results. And and then um, 2004 came along, and you know we were successful there with Broken Bow again, but it was different because. That was right after the World Championship in New Zealand, and we had had, uh, I guess, there was a little bit of heated tension with the Canadians at the time. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously, um, accusations were made that, you know, we were doing things that yeah. was with, like, cameras <laughs> and things like that, and <clears throat> we're kind of first, you know, sort of initiated in a lot of the tournaments, and <laughs> and we were using it. You know, using it pretty well for scouting and that, and and you know, they they were accusing us of cheating during the game, but that definitely didn't happen. Um, but it was just the way it worked out. It was it was just coincidental that. And I listened to I think it was uh, Wolfie, or they have been. I know oh, no, it might have been Dino. Yeah, Dino was on. Yeah. Yeah. And saying how we had the computer lady in Centerfield and shit at the time we didn't even think that was, you know, an issue. But you know, when you look at that and you look at the results and how it all panned yeah. out, you know. Yeah, okay, you yeah. Have to think something. I suppose if you get beaten and thinking you're uh, a better team than the other team, um, <clears throat> but you know, I, I laid the law straight to to the boys and you know Wolfie and that, and you know, there's no way that you know we didn't do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it was, wasn't I, it wasn't something. I think what the story was, you guys beat the Americans the game before, and and they might have said something to to the Canadian boys yeah, the saying, Americans, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. signals or something or yeah which yeah. is yeah. yeah but yeah no and I, I remember we had a big there was a big deal about it on TV on the on the news over here and <laughs> and, uh, and they had the cameras and they were looking at you know the our scout in the outfield and and there was no way that they were relaying signals by any chance and <laughs> yeah <laughs> was wasn't like the Houston Astros it wasn't no. <laughs> That big, but you know, at the time it was, it was a talking subject. But yeah, I guess there was a bit of tension, and that—that's where I think the two thousand the four Broken Bow Spirit team kind of we kind of disbanded a little bit, mm. uh, and hence the move. You know, I moved on to to County, County. and a couple of guys, um, you know, moved on to other teams at the time as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we moved the county materials, and then once again, you know, a totally different pool of players. But um, you know, I was lucky enough that we there was about five of us Kiwis who were obviously top players in our national side. Yeah, who were also part of the side. And then then you had you know your Luki Mata, 
from Argentina, the, you know, their best pitcher at the time. Then you had uh, Andrew Kirkpatrick come into the fold. He was just young. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Chris Keithall at the time, he was there. We had Schultz, you know. Um, that was an awesome team. It was stacked, that one. You know, yeah. so you had Donnie Hale, uh, Patrick Shannon, Thomas Markier, Brad Rona. Wow. Um, Never heard of any yeah, of them. We, uh, <laughs> we Z-Man. And Z-Man couldn't, you know, Z didn't end up going to the ISCs because yeah. I think that's when the prawn rule came in and you were only allowed two out-of-area pitches. So he missed, Z missed the cut because they opted to go for Cheese and uh, Lucas Marta. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, had a, we had a massive year that year and I don't know how we did it, but we won that championship that year. Um, down three, three nothing in the last innings, and we come back, tied it up, and then we uh, won an extra innings. So, wow, uh, yeah, against the farm. So that yeah. was that was a great win. And then, and then the following year, we just we were lights out. We couldn't be beat. Um, but I think we did lose one game to uh, Trevor Ethier up at um, Moncton. They beat us in the final up there, right? But I mean, other than that, we we did some damage that year, and yeah, we were tough. And you know, it was it was good ball, yeah. But uh, you know, when you're playing good ball, it, it's enjoyable, it's fun for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we had some good times there with with those you know those two ball clubs. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, actually, I'm going to rewind a, a little bit here, Jared. Uh, in 2000, you when you guys won the ISF in South Africa. Uh, what was the experience like in a country that you know that's not really on the map when it comes to being a softball hotbed? Must have been a little different, right? Oh, definitely a little different. Um, you'd heard a lot of stories about the country. You know, it was as it was at the time it was pretty dangerous to yeah. be a, mm. a tourist, um, and didn't expect to see some of the things that we saw there. Uh, you know, with the shanty towns and. Um, you know, a lot of poverty, uh, a lot of crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japan in the uh, final. And Japan in the final, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, that tournament was, it was an experience. But, yeah, we we arrived on the day before the World Champs and they were still building the ballpark, you know. They were still and, you know, so they, were, they got the job done. But, um, yeah, it was a different place to play. Um, I guess we had a lot of local support because we'd spent a couple of weeks or a week prior and went out and visited a lot of the villages. So all the villages would come in and and I'm sure the other countries did the same. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of school kids that came out to watch at the time. Um, We didn't get a lot of of spectators. I mean, we had our tour groups come – follow our team and then, you know, like the Canadians and Aussies. And I think that was the only sort of people that attended. And obviously the locals who came to watch if they could afford to get in, you know. So, Mm -hmm. um, but that was a great experience for us. And that was probably a trip of a lifetime, really, because I don't ever think, you know, we'd get back that way. Although we did tour back there in 2003, we ended up going to Botswana. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, um, and that was because they were on our radar, mm-hmm. see, and they had good pitching at the time, and we thought, oh, we'll go down there and check out what they got, but 
um, yeah, so once again, that was another, you know, memory that will cherish forever because, you know, the people, um, but kind of, kind of grounded you, you know, brought you back to earth a little bit when yeah. you saw some of the there. And um, it kind of reminded, reminded me of home a little. Not that we were in, in that situation when we were growing up, but it was, you know, back in the old days when you used to wear bare feet around the streets. And, right. And that's what it kind of seemed like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was cool to be able to share share a lot with um, the locals, um, you know, because they got a lot out of it too. So yeah, it was great. It was nice. great to be able to that country. Right on. Uh, I'm going to touch lightly on the 2009 ISFs in in Saskatoon. Uh, how good was Adam Falkart in that tournament? Adam, he. I guess we faced Adam twice, and I barely remember. All I remember in the the first final was that they shut us, knocked us out. I think seven nothing, mm. and I don't really remember that. But I remember the final, and he was he was bringing it. He was throwing the ball hard, and and um, that was the start of you know the next generation of pitcher right there, and yeah. and he's just on from strength to strength, you know, since that tournament but yeah he was tough and we had a we had a very good team yeah. um and saying that too we were probably one out from finishing eighth i think in that particular tournament um oh really yeah we played because we had lost oh we went into the it was a page system at the time mm-hmm. the playoffs and i think we played japan and um they were beating us I think and going into the last innings and it was windy on that day and one of our boys hit a pop fly and the Japanese uh outfielder misread it. And um if he had caught that ball it would have been game over, we would have been out of the tournament. Wow. <laughs> and he the ball you know, lands in the in the hole, we score a run, tie it up, and then bang, we're going to win. It's crazy. And then, uh, I was like, oh, shit, you know, that one got got out of the bag with that one. <laughs> Then we come had to come and play. That's when we, I think, we had to play Australia that night, or well, might have been USA. So we beat USA, tough game. We beat them the first game of the tournament, I think, like fifteen to one or something. But then we only beat them, I think, it was maybe like three to one. Okay. Um, so we knocked them out. Then we played Aussie that that same night, I think, and they shut us down. Yeah, I think it was run rule five innings done, and we made. And that was a we got exposed big time that game. We made so many errors. We probably made the same amount of errors in ten years, you know. Yeah. We made them in um bad timing. Yeah. And then we had to cut right back after that and yeah. play against uh, Canada. And that was that was an awesome game too. I think that was a high scoring game. Um I think we went through quite a few of the Canadian pitches. Uh yeah, I think Sean Whitten started. Um, we knocked him out of the game. Uh, Todd Martin came in. We knocked him out of the game. And then Dino came in, I think, at the end. Um, but I think we went through a couple as well. Um, but we got through that one. We won. And then got to the final game. And, and I always put, you know, the heat on myself a little bit because I, I, we had an opportunity to score in that very first innings. And, and I was uh, hitting third. Um, you know, Thomas Markey gets a walk, Nathan bunts him across. I think then we get a pass ball. Thomas is at third base. And, um, you know, one down. 
And as number three hitter, my sole responsibility is to drive that man in. Mm. And uh, I, you know, I missed one pitch, but the rest I wasn't even close to them. Um, and that was disappointing um, because had we have probably scored that run, um, might have been a different story. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, throughout the rest of the game. So, you know, and that's one of those things you always talk about. You know, you get the opportunities. You've got to capitalise on them instantly. Otherwise, um, you know, you may never get another chance. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. so we're you know, finishing second. Um, but, you know, one of the best teams that didn't, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Yeah. So 2013, you got you'd win you'd win your fourth ISF Worlds at again at home. Uh, any special memories from that one? That was um, yeah, definitely because I I after 2009 uh, we kind of were given a couple of years break, I suppose you could say. Um, Eddie Class was a coach and. He just kind of said to a lot of the senior players, hey, guys, you guys just need to park yourselves and have a rest for a couple of years. And and it was hard because, you know, you always want to be, once you're you know, at the top, you want to stay at the top and keep playing. And, right. You know, but he wanted to rebuild, you know, and uh, that was the time um, uh, the captaincy role that I had at the time was, um, you know, that was stripped away from me um, at the same time. So... All of a sudden, you know, I'm seeing a lot of writing on the wall. Um, mm. You know, that got stripped away. Oh, you need to take a break. So I'm no longer involved in the program for, you know, the first year of many. And oh, wow. then, um, and then that's when um, yeah, we had a lot of players. Um, so that was that was cool in a sense, though, because I was able to have a bit of a mental rest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from then, you know, because we'd been, I think, between 2007 and 2009, I think we we played like 50 test matches against the other countries. And we were only home, I think, eight months of each year. Wow. Um, so pretty tough. You know, I had a new young family mm. um, who, you know, wouldn't be able to travel because, you know, I was doing my thing and, and um, so yeah, so that and then so going on to 2013, I you know started getting back into it in 2011. You know, I was starting to miss it by then. Um, in 2012, I uh, you know started playing again, um, and it was I didn't start playing till the second half of the season, and then I think my first tournament, I I ruptured my Achilles. So this is this is uh, January 2012. You know, and the World Championships for um, the men's was the following year in, in February or March. So I had 12 months, you know, from a ruptured Achilles, and that took me all the way till uh, October before it came right. Yeah. So I was sweating bullets because I didn't think I was going to make it, make the return. I, I wasn't going to be fit enough. And, um, and as it was, I was very fortunate that I was able to come back and play. Um, but it was never the same, you know, the, the leg after that injury. Um, you know, we rehabbed well, but it just it, it, it was never the same. And and as it was, um, you know, we played that tournament and it was a different one again, you know, playing at home first or second time. But it was just a different vibe again because we 
had a whole new bunch of players and come into the fold. And and I guess my role at that team at the time was, you know, was more from having the experience. And I, you know, I started the first few games and then my performance just went downhill uh, the rest of the week. And I something I'd never do in my life, you know, but I, I said to our coach, I said, you've got to pull me from this. You've got to pull me out of the lineup because I'm not getting the job done. And there's guys here that I know that can do the job better than what I'm doing at the moment. And yeah, that's a that tough thing. A that's one. a tough thing to do when, when you've been at that level. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I wanted to play every game and, and, you know, I'd never miss, I'd never miss a game. I wouldn't sit out in innings, but um, at the time, you know, and and I guess that's where all those years of, you know, your preparation and your training with your boys and and it was all about the team. Um, if I'd have been selfish, I would have just said, no, I'll keep playing. But I wanted to win this. This was going to be my last shot of the world title, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. So, you know, I was 40 years old. Um and that's what I said. Now I've got to look at team first, and and I thought for us to win this championship, that's something I have to do for us to get to that last game. And mm-hmm. and as it was, you know, we you know, other guys got a shot. Um, they didn't quite make make it, so you know that enabled someone else to have a shot. And and you know, and it was just the opportunity, and the players took their opportunities, and we got the job done. Um, but once again, it wasn't without a fight, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know every world championship's a tough one, and um, you know that's just another one, another great one that I was able to share with my young kids because they were both present at this one where they, um, you know, obviously hadn't seen seen me playing one before. No, oh, that yeah, that must have been pretty special then. Yeah, yeah, and it was great, and and I've been lucky too because my parents have been at every world championship. That I've played in, you know, starting at the juniors. Oh wow! So they've travelled to everyone, and that's been awesome. And you know, a lot of this, you know, that has happened has been because of you know what they've sacrificed um, throughout their years too. Mm-hmm. And they they just love it, and they they've always been supportive of, of all their kids. You know, my siblings, but you know, it was great to have them be a part of this journey. For sure. So, so when did when did you know you were going to retire from international and travel competition? Well, I'm officially not retired, mate. I just haven't had any phone calls. <laughs> 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 but, um, I guess it was um, 2009 was my last season playing in in the US, mm-hmm. um, and I think at the time it was right for me not to go back because you know once again it was sort of it was about my family. Family, yeah. Family, and it was hard for them because when I was traveling, you know, yeah, all you'd see on, you know, was well at the time, internet was pretty shitty. Um, I think it was dial-up, so you didn't have <laughs> Zoom. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's right too. Yeah. Um, not um, not so to mention, was, not to mention, you have five kids. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So that'd be kind yeah. of hard, hard at home as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my wife definitely felt the pinch on that one, but yeah. you know, and that's one of the things that was part of, uh, I guess, the plan. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, very supportive of it. I mean, she did attend 
um, when she could. Yeah. Uh, up here in North America, you know, she'd take a couple of weeks away, leave the kids behind, um, and which is hard for her to do too, to leave, you know, at yeah, the time sure. now we're young. And and so, yeah, I I had visions that I was maybe going to give 2015 a crack, but at the time it was just like, no, I've had enough. You know, I'd, my mind was keen, mm-hmm. but deep down inside, I, I, you know, I had nothing else to prove. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I, I thought at the time I'd done enough to give back to the game. Um, you know, what was next for me? And it was like, shit, you know, let, let someone else have a go. Yeah. Because I, you know, myself and a few others had obviously uh, stood on the road of a lot of other athletes who couldn't couldn't break into the side, you know, because we'd sold FAL positions there for a solid 10, 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so that was hard, you know, so to let go like that um, was tough, um, but it was it was the right time and and. Um, and now it's good to, you know, you see a lot of new players that have come through the ranks. I mean, things look a little different these days. Yeah, right. Um, from the outside in. Um, and then obviously that comes with, you know, the past results that we've had, you know, as well. And, you know, we used to be the ones that were chased, but now we're the chasers. Um, so we've we've got to, you know, as a, as a nation, we've got to come back, find new ways to beat all these other teams again. Well, it's it's also gotten pretty yeah. level across the board from, you know, talking to the other guys in on here and then, you know, other other countries are starting to pick up their game as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've had a big part to do with that. Um, New Zealand from, you know, say the early 2000s because, you know, we, we toured to Japan and we went to Botswana and, you know, we went to Australia all the time. We come up to Canada and, you know, that was to get the best ball, but yeah. At the same time, I think we were exposing ourselves to them and they were learning, you know, from what we were doing, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. And so, and that's awesome to see now, like you're saying, it's it's a level field. There's, you know, there's five or six teams now that could win the championship. Exactly. Uh, and, that, and that makes it way better for the game. Oh, for sure. And before there was, you know, two or three, you know, there was always going to be us. There was always going to be Canada. And then after that, it was, you know, of the Japanese. But then they had their ups and downs. They weren't consistent um, like they are now. Um, but, yeah, but to see it, it's a level field now is great. And like you're saying, for you know, the betterment of the game, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So 2016, you along with the two other Kiwis and Chubb and Thomas would be inducted into the ISC Hall of Fame. Uh being inducted is like a huge honor, but did having those two with you make it even more special? Oh, yeah, for sure it did. I mean, because I'd, you know, not idolized Chubb, but I'd hmm. played, I'd watched him when I was a young kid. And, you know, I spoke the other day about this to somebody else and saying, you know, I used to watch him play and I wanted to be like him. Yeah. I didn't idolize him or anything. And I thought, and that's how, you know, I guess my sort of. Um, introduction into the game came was because I wanted to be like those other guys, those Chub Tangaroas, and and I was, you know, I was lucky enough to play with Chub one year when he pitched with us uh, in Broken at Broken Bow. Oh wow! And 
year, and then obviously with the Black Sox as well. And, but to be inducted, yeah, I, I just thought it was a bit before my time. Um, you know, there are a lot of other great players who have gone before me who still hadn't been uh, given that opportunity to be in the hall. Mm. Um, and I just thought, shit, you know, I wasn't expecting it. I thought, you know, the Hall of Fame was only given to old people. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, it was a great honour to be, um, I guess, nominated firstly and then to actually be accepted. And and then, yeah, like you're saying, to be accepted alongside of Thomas and and, um, Chubb was was great too because Thomas and I, we spent a lot of time together, played, you know, North America in the same team for quite a few years and we were pretty – Thick as thieves, you know. Mm. Uh, um, so what, it was great. Todd Martin was with you as well in that class, was he not? Uh, Todd was, I think. Yeah, I think he was too. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, 2006. Yep. Yeah, or 2016. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that was that was an awesome, you know. I guess a highlight of, and that was just a highlight of, of what I've achieved in in the North American. Um, seasons, you know, in in that part of my career. Um, would I want to do that again? You know, 18 years? Yes. It was, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Ball up there was the best ball you could play, um, you know, against all the best players from all around the world. So, um, and I think that's what helped develop my game better because I was playing year in, year out, you know. It's, oh, absolutely. It, Seeing, seeing the pitching, the good pitching every week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I want to talk to you about getting into the the coaching side of things. Uh, you're now the head coach of the junior national team. There. Um, what's the, what's the best thing of handing down your knowledge to the younger ones? Well, I've been involved with the program since 2014, um, and I guess as an assistant to Thomas and um, for us, you know, cause we just come from playing and then we moved bang straight into the junior um, national program. And then it was like, you know, for us, we had a bit of a talk about how we wanted to approach this. And it was like, we, you know, we want to, since, you know, we're still at the height of our playing years, we need to get the boys up to speed as to how we've been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our goal was to was to get as many of these young athletes, uh, tra- you know, if they were good enough to transition into the men's side, then it wasn't foreign to them when they were progressed up to the next mm-hmm. level. So I think we knew we fed them. And I think since 14, you know, we had 16, 18, and 20. I think we've had maybe, ooh, I would say 12 of those players have gone up to the men's level. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, so, which is awesome. And that, that was something that we've, you know, we've been patting ourselves on the back for because, you know, we were able to expose these kids to what it was going to be like up, up in the next level in terms of, um, yeah, the hard grind really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just seeing how how all these kids could respond to to tough work. Um, you know, they're all physically they're all um, in shape and they could run, they could throw, but it was the mental side. Yeah. Um, just 
if they were resilient, you know, to be able to handle pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we were able to drum a lot of stuff into uh, these young kids, and and that's you know, and we utilised our um, defence force for that a little because our manager Wayne Small was um, he's a captain in the New Zealand Army. And we utilised all their resources, and and that was very helpful um, because a lot of things that you know these kids learnt and you know were driven solely or mostly by you know what our our national guard does you know the, mm-hmm. the army the heavy what have you who was just trying to toughen kids up and you know we'd been through a lot of the trainings ourselves as players you know we. We went through an SAS camp, which is our, you know, elite soldiers that go to war. And they put us through some tests, and, you know, when we were playing, and they were bloody tough. And I'll tell you, mentally, if, if you can get through some of the things that those guys get through, you'd, you know. Oh, absolutely. You'd, you'd get through anything. <laughs> oh, for um, sure. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we learned, and that was now that's what we're trying to teach these kids now, but <clears throat> since excuse me, since the age has changed, <clears throat> it's gone down to eighteen and under. It's a little different now because yeah, a lot of the kids are you know a year younger and they're still pretty vulnerable to yep. pressure. Um, so we're just trying to find ways now to be able to um, you know get the best out of these kids by not pushing them too hard I mean it'll come maybe in 12 months time but at the moment it's just about getting getting their skill level up to speed you know their their understanding of the game um, because we're, we're a long way behind the eight ball I believe now with the development of our young kids because it's you know, it comes through from coaching right and I'm not saying that we have all the answers but we can try and you know definitely help as much as we can but it's more or less trying to put the onus on the athletes themselves too. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, if you want to be a part of this program, it takes hard work. In a, in the, you know, in short form, um, what does hard work mean to these kids? And they they'll think, oh, you know, going out training and you know running around and doing this and that. But <clears throat> you know, it, it's all about um, you know, if the hard work isn't all the on-field stuff, it's the off-field stuff as well. So it's your, the way you conduct yourself around your peers, you know, at home, school, you know, it starts there. And if you can get that right, then, you know, we believe that the physical side will be okay. Um, if you, you know, you'd make the right choices um, in those environments, then, then for us as coaches, it's just about letting the kids express themselves and letting them have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because <clears throat> I think that was part of the problem. A little, I believe, in our last campaign in 2020 was our boys were really tense and tight. And whether that was because we put too much pressure on them and they couldn't respond, mm. you know, as it was, we, we didn't quite get the result we wanted. But, you know, we six months earlier we had the same bunch of kids and they were playing great ball they were off the hook and to go from that 
you know, level of playing to what they did at the World Championship was uh, was a big one. So it was a learning, you know, a lot of learnings that come from it. And um, you know, now we've got to try and hunt down these Japanese again. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're a well-drilled bunch of kids. And um, yeah, I, I watched quite a bit of the. Put bit of games there, well, especially Canada. We uh, we have a guy from our local community, Brody Frazier, that played with Canada there at the championships there in New Zealand. And uh, yeah, watching the Jap- Japanese play, it was like, wow, they're under 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they played like, you know, they'd been around for years. They played like men. Hmm. And just their, their school levels are so they're flawless, really. I don't think I've seen them make too many errors, um, but they were clean. They were quick. They could, mm-hmm. you know, pitch. They could run. They could hit. And so that's there. Yeah, that's where you know they're the mantle now. Yeah. And that's where we need to be. You know, is yeah. we need to track them down. And how we do that? Well, we're trying to find out. That's right. All right, now to the uh, little thing that we do here to to end the podcast with player association. Um, I, if you've listened, you've heard it before. Uh, you can say as much as you want about person or as little as you want. Uh, I'm going to start off with Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood. <clears throat> i tell you what. <laughs> my first year I came over, that guy, that's the quickest pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah I, we toured, uh, went to Owen Sound, and he pitched. And I started that game, and I'd, I'd never seen the ball. Um, <laughs> But as the years went on, you know, I caught up a little bit, but he was a tough competitor yeah. from what I heard. Because um, I got, you know, I got to him at the end of his career, but he hard as nails. He came across as a, eh, which is awesome to see. And and um, the guy had, you know, I believe the guy had the biggest set of sacks that any pitcher could have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Andy, if you're listening, mate, you, you, you give me the shits, really, the first year I played him. <laughs> but no, great, great, great guy. Um, but yeah, tough, tough, fierce competitor. Awesome. Uh, next one, touched him a little bit earlier there, uh, Gerald Musler. Musy. Oh, well, Musy. Um, Musy, I, I first faced Musy. I was playing with the Farm Tavern, I think, in 97 up in Halifax and this was this big tall lanky kid you know who's throwing BBs but well he's a he's nicest guy nicest guy you ever meet um, and you know Musi he's, he's got a heart of gold and he, he was tough as you know he was a tough guy out there on the mound too and mm-hmm. it, um, he, he carried us a lot for our playing years uh, with Broken Bow yeah, um, yeah. on the hill there him and Robbie Schwire and a couple other pitchers we had, but but Musi um, yeah had a had a great you know spell in those early two thousands and um, yeah, so, yeah great guy good golfer too but I always had his number on the golf course <laughs> so, um, that was a big thing you know off the field we had some good banter and um, but it was mostly we get out on the golf course you know with him and Boxy and Wolfie. Um, but I'd never let them get me, you know, so <laughs> I made sure my game was on, on par when we got out there. That's, nice. That's awesome. Uh, next on the docket is uh, Jeremy Manley. Jeremy Manley. Um, okay, Jerry. 
so I'd sort of grow and well, Jeremy came from another small town like I did, um, just south of here, of New Plymouth, and and um, I'd sort of watched his progress over the years, and you know, I I believe Jeremy well, back then was going to be a a talent, you know, and he was, and um, how can I say it? He was a, a different character to you know. Your, some of our other characters that we've played alongside. <laughs> uh, and But, you know, as the years, he, he was able to play with better players and better teams, and he would, he would thrive off that, and he ended up becoming a very good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ball very well, and, um, yeah, I'm not too sure what happened to Jerry. I think he ended up staying in the States. and um, Yeah, he's and an assistant coach with uh, an NCAA uh, women's team. Yeah, and he played for the USA, I think, didn't he, in 2015? I maybe? believe so, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, and I, I hadn't seen him since um, since 2013, um, you know, after that championship. But, yeah, he was a, he was a nice guy. Jerry loved the game, um, just always wanted to talk about the game and, and probably didn't give him as much time as I should have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, sometimes when you're a bit older, you just you just want to get away from the game. Yeah, <laughs> true <laughs> enough. Just wanted to pick your brains and yeah. But so that's that's Jeremy. That's as far as I know, Jeremy. Right on. Uh, next one's Brad Rona. Brad Rona. Well, um, so Brad's him and I are first cousins. Oh wow! Did so not know that. His mother or his father and my mother are brother and sister. Huh. So we've similar upbringings. Um, come from similar surroundings, you know. Um, and my cousin Brad, yeah, we've. He was one of the main reasons I actually moved um, to play in at County, um, because I, you know, I wanted to play with him because he he'd come a long way in his his career as well. Um, he, you know, was first introduced into the Black Sox in two thousand, um, and then he just. I don't know what it was, but it was, I think it was in the genes a little bit. Um, he just got better and better as <laughs> the years went, as he matured, you know. A lot of fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so him and, you know, we had some great times together, I guess, you know, playing up, up there in North America. And and um, I don't see my cousin much these days. You know, we live in different cities, but, you know, we'd sort of chat you know, on social media or what have you, but, mm-hmm. you know, when we get together, it's always a good good time and, you know, great experiences that we've had awesome. together. Last one on the list is uh, captain of the team right now, Cole Evans. Cole Evans. Um, we talked a bit earlier about uh, the juniors and he was selected in the 2014 side. He was only... I don't know. He might have been fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we took him just as a, you know, for experience because I knew he was going to be. We knew he was going to be old enough for the next one, and he just, he was just, yeah, off the hook. He's unbelievable. He up, <laughs> yeah, he ended up playing. We give him a shot. He ended up actually starting as a starting shortstop, and and then his. His level, the level of his game has just gone north from that day. 
And I mean, even today, you know, I'm watching him on TV a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I don't, there's not one pitcher I don't think that can um, throw a ball by him. <laughs> but I mean, you know, great hitter. He's a great kid. Um, defensively, he's defensively as well, he's amazing. Yep, yep. he's he, he's got some range and he, he's clean. And he's just, and the kid's only 21, I think. Yep. He's, he's already got, I don't know, maybe what one, two. He's already got three, three men's championships under his belt. Got <laughs> <laughs> years to go, you know. So if he if he's healthy, keeps healthy, and if his his mind is still willing, he's going to be around for the next, you know, ten world championships at wow. least. Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, buddy, uh, gotta thank you so much for coming on this podcast. The uh, big name in the in the world of of fast pitch and uh you know i knew watching your videos on facebook that you'd be a treat to have on and uh you know it's awesome to have you on no i appreciate it thanks very much for having me on the show i mean yeah like i said i've been listening closely to all the other ones and good man good man you know like hearing that yeah and sharing it you know share and share alike and yeah for sure how many other people are listening but i'm sure they are and it's yeah it's good to to see that you guys are um doing this for okay. our game and, yep. and and yeah and it's good to catch up with some of my old teammates and what they're up to yeah for sure. absolutely all right thank you jared. all right jared uh enjoy the rest of your saturday and uh your daughter jada's birthday you bet guys thank you very much appreciate it thanks pal thank you stay safe take care cheers you guys too all right man wow it must be something with the last name Martin because him and Todd Martin, yeah. when it comes to like remembering things. Those motherfuckers remember everything. That's unreal. <laughs> Do you think him and Todd are brothers maybe from mm. other mothers? Randy? <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, he was, like, he was yeah. remembering stuff from back in the nineties. I was like, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Healthy minds. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's had some career. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, lots of great stories. Uh, and you know, one thing I was thinking about when he was speaking was all of the places that he has visited mm. because of the game of fast pitch. Yes. Or some of us call it softball. Yeah. It's not law ball. No. And, uh, but he's been all over the world. He's yeah. got to play everywhere. World championships in South Africa and the Philippines. And yeah. he's been to Canada, the States, yeah. South America. Like he's been everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Very, yeah. very lucky. Very nice man. Yep. For sure. Um, and talking about Cole Evans, our captain yeah. of the New Zealand team right now, yeah. 21 years old. He's been to three worlds. Yeah. Do we, get, <laughs> do we try to get him on the podcast? I think, I think that's going to be a wait, mission. Let's wait for 10 years though. He's too fucking young. <laughs> he's 21. <laughs> yeah, we got to wait till he gets some uh, yeah. experience under his belt and uh, you know, yeah. a couple ISCs yeah. and, yeah. and everything. But, pretty high praise from, uh, from Jared to yeah. talk about Cole like that. That's, it's amazing. Yeah. He's sure. seen some players, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we should end this because it's been three and a half hours, I think. <laughs> That's what it fucking feels like. Uh, Friday night here, we get to yeah. uh, get our stuff done. And, uh, yes, sir. What do you got coming on the go? I got the special guest coming up that I'm yeah, going to be interviewing on, on Sunday. Uh, yeah. A little, uh, well, this will be a week after Jared released is uh, yeah. Abigail Tolton from Ontario, 11 year old pitcher who is quite the quite the chucker i mean yeah we've seen videos online of her and mm-hmm. uh she's uh she's friends with the uh, amanda scarborough and, and kelly barnhill down in the states and right and they've done some teaching with her as well and 
I mean, this, this, it's almost like, you know, I don't want to, you know, how, you know, you pump the tires of somebody, you know what I mean? You don't want to jump ahead of the game, but it's almost like from, Remember when Sid was like younger around here yeah, exactly. and, and, and guy and like when People he was say, 11, yeah, he's 12, going to be the next one. Right. And, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, CBC got that uh, yeah. documentary of him when he That's was like right. 12 years old mm-hmm. and you go back and say, man. And, and at this point, like, I'm like, could you imagine like, you know, Abby's probably going to go on to, you know, NCAA yeah. ball and, and God, she could be the the future for team Canada here, softball Canada. So, I mean, you know, being able to do this and, and, you know, talking to, talking to her dad and, and, and her a bit, I I know it's going to be a a pretty cool interview. Yeah. I'm excited for it. It's fantastic. So, Anyway, uh, I better not do that one though. Cause I like to swear, but yeah, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave you at home for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, everybody listening, uh, keep on listening, subscribe, check out our, all of our social media channels, comment on anything you want, because you know, we're pretty interactive and yeah, we, <laughs> we enjoy it actually. We'll, uh, we'll give you some comments back, whether, whether it's good, whether it's bad, but, uh, yeah, no, just keep them coming. Yeah, please do. Thanks for listening and uh, everybody stay safe. Wash your hands, wear your mask. Yes, sir. Have a good week, Gumbo. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Time to get in bed. Santa's coming soon. Okay. Can you read a book? All right, just one story, all right? Here we go. On the night, so silent night. Stay by the fire, baby. It's so cold outside. Tis the season. Decorations, don't forget tradition. Baby, it's cold outside, you need to get your mittens. Hang the mistletoe and write your Christmas wishes. It's better to give than receive. Show the kids the difference. Cause this year, this year has been a tough one. I'm just trying to celebrate and spend it with my loved ones. Spread some cheer, pouring festive beer. I appreciate the blessings I was blessed with here. Uncle Chris and Aunt Leah reminiscing on the front porch. Little Tay Tay trying to build another snow fort. Uh, I hear the church bells ringing. I'll be there Christmas Eve with my family all singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, uh, I said we be all singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, uh, say, say. Well, I'll be ready with the lights on. Got the decorations up. It's taking me all night long. Log on the fire. Put on my ugly sweater. The children are.